So I know you've heard this spiel before, and if you haven't, I apologize, but it does need to be said kind of over and over again. And the reason that it has to be said over and over again is because the negative thoughts you have over and over and over again. Uh, that if someone is in the habit of having negative thoughts, then having an occasional positive thought is just going to get overwhelmed with the negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have to start developing a systematic um, practice, if you will, that intentionally is, uh, let us say, putting some positive stuff on the scale. Eventually, there's going to be a change to where the positive overtakes the negative. Is it like a breaking point? A breaking point, a quantum. A movement over from one side to the other. An, a, an attitude change, a sea change. Mm-hmm. And so uh, having positive thoughts, having wholesome thoughts, and having them often, and having them instead of unwholesome thoughts is the way to go. So instead of having thoughts of, oh, this is hard and my work is hard and I'm not sure I can do it, you can say, wait a minute, I don't have to think those kind of thoughts right now. I don't have to think those thoughts. I can think something joyful. Now that you've got a new friend, what that means is is that now you've got double duty because she's not actually intending or, let us say, have any dedication for her to clean up her mind at all, not yet. And the only um, uh, inspiration she will gain for her to clean up her mind is to see that you've cleaned up yours. <laughs> It's actually funny. We, we talked about it. And I, I just gave her the basics of like, yeah, take a deep breath, throw the stuff out that's unwholesome. And she really didn't get it. She was like, there's nothing unwholesome. And if I want to, I can just throw it out and think about it tomorrow. And I was like, okay. Okay, well, can you? Maybe she's ahead <laughs> of you already. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, to learn to throw out those negative thoughts, to think about it tomorrow, only not tomorrow never comes, or if it does, then it will be the time for it. In other words, let's look at it like this. Even with the point of study, we'll just use whatever word that means. If now is the time to study, then study. And if now is not the time of study, then don't worry about studying. Enjoy what you're doing now. That way you get into the habit of enjoying. So when you get into studying, you can enjoy that too. It's hard to switch off to into the mode of not studying because I could study. Like, well, that's it's... because you've gotten into the habit of it. Okay, so do some investigations about how these habits control things. It's like the default position. 
like when Windows comes on a new laptop, it comes with a default position. And if people don't know how to change the defaults, then they're stuck with those defaults. Okay, so our habits of the mind would be like the default position. Okay. Okay, but you can change that. But on this Windows that you've got in the mind, it keeps flipping it back to the default. Yes. And the reason for that is because, let us call it the weight on the scale. All of the stuff that's been built up from the past. So now is the time to build up something wholesome so that eventually that becomes the default. So, when, um, even when the thought comes, oh, I don't want to practice, mm -hmm. that's a moment for wake up to practice right then. On this negative thought, to throw it out. To throw that thought out and say, <clears throat> wait a minute, I can have a deep breath and a happy thought right now. Could we talk about this happy thought once again, like we did in the beginning? And let maybe just go through it one more time to really know what is the happy thought? Well, you said about being safe, just looking around, being safe. Yeah, one, being right, fine. one of the ways of having a happy thought is to recognize that you're safe. Look around, everything is cool, no snakes on the floor. No snake calling up your leg, no alligators behind. And that um, the standard feeling for human beings is a feeling of fear. That's our standard or our bottom line or the habit or the default. The default is to be in a state of fear. And we can see why that happened was because 600,000 years ago, Things are really dangerous, perhaps all the time. And so that uh, self-preservation mechanism actually did its job. It worked. And it's worked for 600,000 years. But part of the reason that it's worked is because it's had far too many false positives. Okay, so now that we actually know that things are safe, with wisdom, by taking a look through investigation, we can recognize that, wait a minute, there's nothing to be afraid of. So why am I in a, in a state of fear? The answer is because I'm in the habit of it, and I picked up that habit over the past 600,000 years and it's built right into the DNA. But that doesn't mean that it's correct. It's just another false positive. Okay, and so um, that basis of fear then generally gives rise to all of the negative emotions, including anger and sadness and fear of loss and all of that kind of thing, that all of those emotions are in the service of this underlying fear. And when we get in touch with this underlying fear, we have other words for it. One of them would be anxiety or tension, because that's how mm -hmm. we feel it. 
And so coming into contact with the feelings that are associated with the fear, anxiety, and tension, and noticing them, we can say, hey, wait a minute, I have probably been so fearful in having uh, negative thoughts for long enough that I have brought up um, a sensation in the body that's associated with the chemicals that are, uh, are produced through fear. And but, but here's the thing, by paying attention to that, rather than what we used to be paying attention to, we've made a big change. And so now it's time to investigate, and the investigation would be, this is a safe place. There's no reason for me to be fearful. Mm. And to be honest, that's exactly where it breaks down for me, because it often feels like this fear or worrying or anxiety or being restless or thinking about stuff over and over again and projecting it into 10 years into the future is outweighing this basic thought of this is fine mm-hmm. and i can't like yeah i think it's attitude it's like it's lacking this i'm fine i'm really fine mm-hmm. like i talk myself and just instantly back into no this is shit And yeah, that, that's kind of. Sometimes like, you can I, I'm missing feel the fine. Point. Sometimes you can feel fine, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, when you do feel fine, recognize that you feel fine. Congratulate yourself for feeling fine, and say, "I'm going to remember next time when I don't feel fine that I did feel fine this time." Okay. Okay. And so you remember the good times when you're feeling bad, reminding yourself that, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to feel this way, which also was another way of saying, wait a minute, I have felt better than this. Mm -hmm. Let me get back to the feeling good that I know how to do because I've already been practicing enough to get good feelings. Now I'm going to take this opportunity to feel good again. Okay. Remember that we're trying to practice and develop the skill of satisfaction, and you can't do that when you ain't got no satisfaction. True. So you have to get a little of it. Mm-hmm. You have to get a little bit of satisfaction. You can remember, oh, yeah, I don't have to feel like this. Well, that's a little bit of satisfaction. Not much, but it's a start. Yeah, maybe it's that wanting too much. That's kind of a hindrance as well. Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the, if not the, most dangerous point for Western uh, people who practice Asian arts of happiness. <laughs> is they want to be happy rather than just being happy. Yeah, and be more happy. Like mm-hmm. a, le- a little oh, it's not good enough. Nothing is ever yeah. good enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Five toys for Christmas is good for five minutes of Christmas, but what's the rest of the week going to be? Yes. So that's the way that the Western mind, in fact, is part of our society. 
we were raised and trained that way. In Europe, in Germany, in the U.S., all over the Western world, we have been trained to be dissatisfied. Why? Because if you are dissatisfied, you can be exploited. Makes sense. Because then I want something and then I do my job and buy my shit. And, mm -hmm. and when you do your job, you get paid, but you don't get paid for all of what you're worth because the company that you work for wants a piece of your action. Sure. Right. So you're not getting all of your benefits. So that's an important point for us to remember that we have to pay even to work because all the work you're doing, you're not going to get the right benefits from it. <coughs> There's always that part that's cut off that goes back to, uh, let's say, those that want to exploit you because they are exploiting you. They are getting their share of you therefore that's an incentive to keep exploiting you mm -hmm. okay that got really heavily started in the dark ages in the middle ages but by the time the industrial revolution about 200 years ago that's the way that the british economy got really started was by exploiting workers and that's been done ever since But okay. people who are happy are hard to exploit. Mm -hmm. Those that are contented are difficult to exploit. That in fact is is quite commonly known that uh, there's a saying that it, that is is that you that it's hard to rip off an honest man. Okay. And the reason for that is almost all rip offs have to do with a bait and switch. They bait you into something and then the switch. Okay, they sell you something and then don't deliver. Ah, okay. Okay, this is what they mean by the bait and switch. Okay. Automobile companies are most famous for this. They're very, very good at it. Okay. All right, so they, they hold out the bait and then when you take the bait, then they switch. It's almost, in fact, that's the whole point of the bait. That when the fish sees a morsel of food in the water, he goes for it without recognizing there's a hook in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so uh, the, uh, the fishing hook is actually uh, the switch so that the fish eats the bait and now he's hooked. All right, so what that means then is, is that if that fish had no greed for that bait, then he wouldn't have gotten hooked. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so if you are satisfied in your life, then you don't want much from society. But if you are in great need, in great pain, in whatever way that you can think of it, then that puts us in a state of wanting and what we want is to get out of 
the predicament that we don't like that we're in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this is what happens with that mentality that Westerners come to practice Anapanasati or some form of meditation because they want something. And that very wanting that they have is actually the suffering that they need to, uh, to be finished with. And yet, instead of being finished with that desire, it grows and builds. I want, I want, I want to be enlightened. I want to be free from suffering. I want this, I want that, right? Yes. And instead of saying, wait a minute, let me find a satisfying moment. Let me, in fact, instead of wanting a moment of satisfaction, let me actually have one. come out of wanting things i think what then comes in as the next thought is doubt for me because then i think okay this is really enough this is all it just having this moment of happiness this is the whole so it's not good enough thing. yeah <laughs> oh yeah we're back to that <laughs> okay yeah. All right, this is insight. This is what you need to hear is, is that, yes, even when we get something good, then it's, well, is this all there is? Well, that means you're not satisfied with it yet. When you become satisfied with it, then you can say, yeah, this is it. <laughs> then maybe I, I, I've never been that really, really, really satisfied with it. Because there's always this little thought, boy, yeah, this is it, but it could be really cool if you're enlightened, then it's really it. Ah, but when you have that thought, you are actually robbing yourself of the good feeling that you have right now because it's not as good as it could be. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is why... Uh, Anapanasati or the practice of the Buddha, uh, the Buddha Dhamma, is difficult for the Western mind. I know I was trapped in that. I know. Mm. So uh, it takes a kind of an, an attitude change, and that attitude then is this is good enough. What is ever good enough? You could have the attitude that nothing is ever good enough. And in fact, that's the standard attitude that I know of throughout the, the world. The, our modern society actually train, trains people to go around with the attitude that whatever we get is still not good enough. We can enjoy it for a moment. Mm -hmm. We can eat this meal. And then we have to go out scratching for the next one. Yes. Instead of recognizing, this is good. I don't have to go scratching for it so much. Then, in fact, the scratching around is the wanting it. Like an itch. At the itch, we want to go away subconsciously, okay? A mosquito bite or something is on the skin. And if we're not aware of it, the hand will scratch it anyway. Why? Because the reptilian part of the brain is aware of it. And so we scratch mindlessly. But when the feeling of the itch goes away, 
then they don't scratch it anymore. Okay? Mm-hmm. So in that regard, the scratching that you're doing, you can put a stop to that in the sense of, wait a minute, this is good enough. Uh-huh, I do see that my thought was this is not good enough when in fact it really is good enough. This is good enough is actually gladdening the mind. This is sufficient. This is okay. And this attitude change can come from talking myself over and over into it, even if for, let's say, the first 100,000 or whatever times, I'm not believing it's really myself. Okay, let's hold off right there. That turns it into an affirmation. Uh, sorry, that, I don't know the word. The, the word affirmation is the word that's used in all of the English language self-help books. Mm-hmm. Okay. The affirmations are actually there, um, and people will say the affirmation, but they don't really believe it. And because of that, it doesn't really stick. The example I use is a teenage girl standing in the mirror in the bathroom telling herself, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm, you're the okay. star of the show. Everybody mm-hmm. loves you. You're going to have a marvelous day. And then she walks out of the bathroom on the way to school and she's miserable because mm-hmm. while she was doing those things in front of the mirror, she didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is why what we're doing here, it has the foundation of success and based upon that confidence. So you have to keep a track of and keep remembering those good times. Okay. And start to forget about the bad times. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the uh remembering the good times remember that oh i can feel good right now i don't have to study nor do i have to think about studying and then not studying or i can watch a youtube now and enjoy it without worrying about oh i should be meditating Mm -hmm. in other words you learn to enjoy this moment for what you're doing in this moment this is good enough Okay, so it's not like the thought came from. We talked, I think, in the first session that I read some meta book, and in the book, it was saying about, or I don't know the right word, the semen. It's like all these may all beings be happy, and it's like planting semen in the ground, and they will flourish someday or not, like maybe in 10 days, maybe in a year, maybe in 10 years or never. And that's a practice to put all the semen, and someday. It will flourish and you will be more happy and happy and. Let us say it this way. There's a parable that Jesus had about sowing seeds. And he said that some of them fall into thickets and are choked. Some of the seeds are eaten by birds. Some of the seeds are um, on harsh ground. And some of the seeds take root and grow. So. In that regard, metta seeds are in that same world. Many of the thoughts of metta, if they are in fact um, 
better say you don't believe them, then those seeds are probably not going to germinate. The seeds that are going to germinate are the ones that you believe are actually going to do it. And, and I'm actually using the word belief, and I don't even know why, because I'm actually an enemy of the word belief. Here's the point. It's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of knowledge. It's a matter of knowing. It's a matter of when you say uh, meta, may all beings be happy. If you cannot say may this being be happy and, and to know that that's going to be the case or the language we use it if you don't believe it. But really, we're talking about knowledge here. You can say, may all beings be happy, may this being be happy, and if you don't have any knowledge or evidence that that's true, then it's just an affirmation. You don't believe it. So we need to start um, capitalizing on the little successes. Okay. To remember them, to recognize that, yes, you can put the mind into a wholesome state, you did it once, you can do it again. And, and doing it over and over and over again, and then that confidence will build. But always confidence in what? That I can become satisfied in the present moment. That I can be okay right now. And so this is the kind of language that you want to use rather than may all beings be happy because you don't really believe that, neither do I. Or let us yeah. say I've got a huge amount of evidence that all beings are not happy. I've got a huge amount of evidence. All I have to do is turn on the television and pooping up and within 10 seconds. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do this practice anymore. I just wanted to bring it up because of this uh, planting seeds example. Okay, well, let's make sure that the seeds that you are planting are planted on um, uh, productive ground. Mm. Because otherwise, they're just going to be um, uh, actually even the sowing of seed that you know is being sown on fallow ground is a form of dissatisfaction that you're going through the motions, you're doing what you're told to do, you're making these affirmations. Yeah. <laughs> and, and seeing it's a waste of time. time. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, ex that's, that's exactly it. When I lie in the bed and I take a deep breath and I don't get satisfied and I'm throwing the seed on bad ground. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's that's even... I think the worst part of dissatisfaction because it kind of invalidates the practice in my mind. But you're in the habit of doing that. That's your old way of doing it. And so you need to wake up to doing that, to recognize, oh, that's the way I've been doing it all along, and it really doesn't bring satisfaction. So what can I do to bring satisfaction on? Well, the first thing is to recognize that what you're doing is not satisfying. Uh -huh, I see that that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a little bit of satisfaction right there to recognize what I used to do doesn't work. Now I've got a chance of going off and doing something that does work. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. This is the entire point about um, making mistakes. Some people go around working very hard to not make any mistakes. Other people go around making mistakes, but they want to hide the mistakes because they're not supposed to make mistakes. And because they hide them, they don't look at them. But a true researcher in science, for instance, he is joyful with every mistake he makes because in the investigation of that mistake, he figures out something. Mm -hmm. And he keeps figuring out what doesn't work and this doesn't work and that doesn't work and this doesn't work and that barks a little bit. Let's set that aside and until we get down to it. Um, there was a time, um, let us say it was after 1880, during the 1880s, 1890s, there were a number of researchers looking for something. What they were looking for was a light bulb in the sense that they had already discovered electricity and had enough control over it that they could move it around. But they mm -hmm. wanted to put it to work. And one of the ways of putting electricity to work is by making light. And they had a whole lot of trouble doing that. But um, uh, Edison, uh, who came up with, this, with the, uh, the phrase, 1% uh, inspiration and 99% uh, perspiration. Okay. And what he meant was that he had ninety, he had one percent of the inspiration of let's make a light bulb that will operate and give life by by putting electricity in it. But he had to work a long time. He had actually several problems to solve. One of them was is that every filament that he would have, and the filament is that which you're going to pass the electricity through. That's going to get so hot that it's going to glow and make a light. Mm -hmm. But every filament that he would try would burn up because of oxygen. So he had to take the oxygen out. He wound up having one kind of filament that had one property and another kind of gas around it that had another property, and that was argon. Why? It's because argon is what's called a noble gas, and a noble gas, like the word noble, means that it doesn't get stuck into things like oxygen. Boy, it'll just get stuck into anything. But argon won't get stuck into anything, no matter how much that filament glows and gets hot. Argon is not going to um, to get into the fight. Okay. That, okay. So what we're looking for is is that even though Edison had a lot of failures, he was making progress because he was looking at what he was doing. That's the whole quality of the of the uh, of the Buddha is let's investigate. Let's keep looking at what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's what you and I are doing now. You're reflecting upon how it is. And it says, OK, let's look at this. Whenever those thoughts that are unwholesome come up, let's know them. Let's recognize them so that we can throw them out and gain some satisfaction. And the first satisfaction is, I just threw that thought out. Yeah, maybe, maybe I have to check the back door because it's not always these obvious, like, I'm really angry. That's actually happens. 
way less in my life. But it's more and more like this all the self doubt and this is shit and this doesn't work. And yeah. Well, anger is another issue, but it has exactly the same qualities to it. In other words, how soon can you wake up to the anger? We can start with the premise that it is generally in our society and taught in religions and everywhere that I know, anger is socially not acceptable, it's not preferable, that people can work themselves up into heart attacks and other things through anger. And so we can go ahead and say that generally, if you had a choice about being angry or not being angry, you would make the choice to not be angry. Sure. Okay. Now that we know that, the question is, is that if you do get angry, can you recognize that you are angry? Because if you are angry and you don't know you're angry, then you don't have any chance at all of coming out of it. Yeah. But if you know that you're angry, then you can do something about it. And so the question would be how long or how um, far into an argument or a discussion do you go in anger before you wake up? Hopefully, if you're very, very sharp, you're going to wake up to your anger before it comes out of your mouth the first time. Mm -hmm. But you still got that anger. So how can you get rid of the anger that you didn't even let out is because you can say, wait a minute, I don't have to let that out. I don't have to hurt somebody because I'm angry inside. And now automatically you start changing it. Wait a minute, I don't have to be angry. Wait a minute, I don't have to have those bad feelings. And so that begins to give us the attitude that we in fact can Choose the way that we feel. That in fact we chose to get angry. Mm -hmm. But we chose to get angry based upon old habits. So that years ago I used to get angry because they said that word. And so anytime that word is said, I automatically, through habit, get angry, but it was always a choice. It's just now a very easy choice because I've been in the habit of doing that way so long. But I can change by waking up to say, wait a minute, I don't have to be angry. Now, I'm using anger only as an example because in fact, it's the same thing for every negative little feeling. You don't have to be all the way up to anger, but you can be in a state of dissatisfaction. So it's the same, same, it's same, same as fear. Same thing with fear. In fact, anger is nothing but the expression of fear. In what sense? Um, let us say <clears throat> that you were involved with the sports team and they had a new secret weapon that you knew about and that you knew hands down without a doubt that they were going to win the next game. Mm -hmm. And you've got a friend beside you who also follows that same team, but he does not have the inside knowledge that you have. 
and he thinks that it's going to be a normal game to where you know, know for sure we're going to win that game because we've got an inside, um, like we've already paid off the uh, referees or something like that, okay? So now another person from the other side, you meet him on the street or in a bar or something like that, and uh, he pipes up, your team's going to lose tomorrow. <laughs> okay, when he said that, your friend became afraid that maybe we will lose tomorrow. And so he gets all upset and, and they begin to have an argument. But you, you already know that what he said is wrong. And you do not become afraid, so you don't get into the argument with him because you know for sure that that dangerous thing is not going to happen. So that's just an example right there, okay? Mm-hmm. But we can take that into generalization. Now, in this case, we talked about it in the sense of it being um, illegal or bribing of whatever like that. Um, but let's change that to... Um, that you know that, <clears throat> that you're a high-class person. And so someone um, on the street or on inter- uh, Reddit or the Internet or something says, you're a low-class person. And you know you're a high-class person. It doesn't mean anything at all. Mm-hmm. But if you're worried in there, if you think, well, sometimes I'm a high-class and sometimes a low-class, I really wish I could be a high-class person all the time, and then somebody on Reddit or on the Internet says, you're a low-class person. Then Mm -hmm. the fear comes in, and with the fear, maybe he's right, I am a low-class person, and I don't want to be. I better tell him I'm not. And so, therefore, the argument is going to start, and that's where the anger comes, always from the source of fear. But isn't there sometimes some value in it? For example, if a good relative says you are oh, always I angry. We already discussed that. Uh, fear has kept your, you and your species alive for hundreds of thousands of years. I rest my case. Yes, uh, no, no, no. I, I meant like for it. when there is a positive. Um, not a false positive, but a true positive. In other words, there is some, there is fear, and the fear has alerted you that there is some danger. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's things to be afraid of. Don't walk out in the middle of traffic. It's dangerous out there. <clears throat> no, I meant, meant like more in the sense, if a good relative says, you're always grumpy, you're... I don't know, you are well, always if somebody mean. always is grumpy, then that's going to cause them to be more grumpy. But if someone's completely cheery all the time and they're called grumpy, they're not going to get grumpy. They're just going to laugh at it. But the guy who is being accused of grumpy, he doesn't want to be grumpy. He thinks that's a bad thing. He doesn't mm-hmm. like it. He becomes afraid, maybe they're right, I am grumpy, and so now he has to defend against it by being grumpy. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. so easy to understand it when you when you look at it from that perspective. That, yeah, if you are not what they claim you to be, and you know for sure that you are not what they claim for you to be, then you don't get angry. It's only when they're possibly right and you allow that in, 
that then you have feelings about it. But when your confidence is very high, okay, mm -hmm. here's, here's another, another example of that. The physicist who has been working with nuclear physics for many years, he's got the math down, um, and that he teaches, he's probably written books about it. He walks into a bar with his friend who is not a physicist. Someone in the bar then makes a statement um, about time or space or uh, the speed of light or uh, E equals MC square or something like that. That's ridiculous. The physicist who knows what he's talking about is just going to write that off, just going to slough it off. But the guy who is only a little bit of physics, he's going to try to explain to this idiot. Okay. Okay. But he doesn't have really enough information to act, to know it correctly to where the real physicist knows that he does have an inf enough information, but he's not going to bother because it's going to take weeks or months to talk to this guy. <laughs> in, in. All right. So okay. these are really clear examples of when you know what you're doing, when you have the confidence that you become kind of unshakable, unflappable. And what is anger, but nothing but flapping one's jaw? Mm. So this is how we build that confidence up. One after another, one success after another. Aha, I see you negative thought and out you go and I strike that up. I got a, I got a point. Mm. Okay. Then another time I have uh, I think a thought and I catch it and I say, wait a minute, I don't have to have that thought right now. And I strike that one up. And now all I have to do is just look at that wall there. and Wait a minute, I got strikes all over it. I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> OK, yeah. OK, so this is the way that we begin to operate is one little success after another after another. And you've got many opportunities to do that because just about a half the thoughts you have are going to be negative thoughts. And you have a lot of thoughts every day. So this is a lot of opportunity yeah. <laughs> for you to strike some points up. I actually tried that attitude to to change, like to get happy or whatever, like exactly this attitude. Oh, yeah, I was worrying again. What an amazing attitude to to practice. Sometimes it worked. Mm hmm. And so when that thought, oh, I don't want to practice comes up, you can say, aha, I see you too. <laughs> Recognize that you can, in fact, see any thought as negative and you can change that. That you are not bound to the old habit of the mind, you can change it and interrupt it anytime you wake up. Okay. Is this like to differentiate the different thoughts and see if they unwholesome? For example, in the last two weeks, I get a little bit, let's not say scared, but distracted or worried about attaching myself to relationships. 
because I don't see the value in the long run. And I'm not sure if this is unwholesome or wholesome or in the sense of this is really strange, but in Why? the sense of Okay, this is something that we can look at right quickly. Why are you worried about where the future of the relationship is going? If you are, it'll probably wind up on the scrap heap because your mind right now is in the scrap heap. If you can enjoy the lady while you have her with you without thought of tomorrow or the thought of where this relationship is going, just enjoy the moment like it is. Enjoy your time with her. And when thoughts about, well, what's it going to be like with her five years from now? You can say, aha, we don't know, but I can enjoy my time with her now. Okay. So it all, all boils down, all these souls boil down to Dukkha and... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. And almost all of the Dukkha is either in the past or in the future. <laughs> something that's really funny when I when I don't I lie in bed and I think about something and I'm like yeah tomorrow I'll call Damarato and talk about it and then I think five minutes more about it and I, yeah he will just say it's Duca so whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah he'll just say Duca 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 let's come out of that Duca let's uh, recognize that those are unwholesome thoughts and we can change them in, into the wholesome thoughts and when you have that thought oh I I just why call Damarato? He's just going to say Duca, Duca, Duca. The next thing you do is you smile and you say, Yeah, he's right. Duca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the way to practice and this is the way to gladden the mind is to recognize you can feel good. Your choice. Mm -hmm. But you have to be sharp in the sense of mindful or sati to wake up to do that investigation to recognize oh that's not a wholesome thought out it goes and then you can have thoughts that are wholesome like wow this is safe right now no problem no worries no bosses here yelling right now there are no papers to write nothing needs to be done everything is good no place to go and nothing to do. And the spring comes and the grass grows by itself. <sighs> okay. And practice that over and over and over again and get that good feeling as a, um, as a new habit that you're building. Okay. So go back. Never mind. Start again. Start again. <laughs> so you go do that and then call me. Or don't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks for the talk. You you remember that you can feel good. That's the whole point. Sati. Sati, remember you can feel good. You don't have to continue with all of the old stuff. Okay. Thanks.
believe me, I've got a lot of students who have gone right through what you're doing. And then and on the other side, they say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye.